0: Hello and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. This is Ruth Haley Barton and this season we've been talking about sabbatical. Actually, we have been working our way through the new book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, from Sabbath to sabbatical and back again. And in this short season 18, we've been focused on the gift of sabbatical, when Sabbath is not enough. As we bring this season on sabbatical to a close, you may be thinking, well, I can see the benefits for the pastor or the leader of getting a sabbatical, but what about everybody who's left? What about the congregation? What about the ministry? What about the staff who has to carry everything off? What's in it for everybody else? And that just brings me to a real passion that I have, and that is that as much as we see sabbatical as a gift from a congregation or a ministry uh, to the pastor or to the leader, that I think there are also gifts that the pastor or the leader can leave for the congregation or their community so that they receive gifts as well. And I think we really do need to see this as two sides of the same coin, that the pastor receives gifts by being given a sabbatical, but also that a leader and the elders or the board or the staff can work together to make sure that this is a rich time and a gifting time also for those who are left behind. And so one of my favorite examples of this actually comes from my brother, Jonathan Taylor Haley, who is senior pastor of First Presbyterian Church in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And Taylor has been in the Transforming Center from its very beginnings. He was at the very, very first retreat we held. And he's been with us ever since in different ways. He has served on the board and then he stepped away from the board so he could come back into just enjoying the community experience. He earned his d from McCormick Seminary, where he researched and reflected on how a pastor's spiritual practices shape a congregation. And a lot of what he learned there, he experienced in his transforming community experience. And so in 2018, he did have a three-month renewal leave. During that time, he biked across the country, but he left his congregation with a focus on experiencing our bodies as God's gift to us, because his sabbatical goal was to experience his own body as a gift of God to him, and he wanted to enjoy something in his body that made him experience his own body as a gift, but he thought, I really want to leave this as a gift for the congregation too. And so he put some amazing plans in place so that the congregation could benefit from his sabbatical time. And so Taylor, who is also known as Jonathan, is a husband and a father and a pastor and an Ironman athlete. And he's also my brother, which makes this conversation very special to me. So I pray that you enjoy this conversation and that in this conversation, you catch a vision for what could be given to congregations and ministries when their pastors and leaders go on sabbatical. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Well, I'm here today with my brother, the Reverend Jonathan Taylor Haley, and he has been in community with us here in the Transforming Center ever since its beginnings, but he's been my brother ever since the beginning of his life. He is my younger brother, even though you wouldn't be able to tell that now, I hope that you just see us as peers on the journey. But Jonathan is a pastor in the Presbyterian Church. He's been a pastor at First Presbyterian Church of uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, for 20 years. And he, when he came to First Presbyterian Church, there was no sabbatical policy in place. So he actually helped to bring the idea of sabbatical to his church and was a part of helping them to establish a sabbatical policy. So tell us a little bit about that process. You kind of brought the awareness of a need for sabbatical. Was it a part of your, was it, was it, in their thinking at all when you came? Or how did you begin to introduce sabbatical as a possibility for yourself, but also, you know, more broadly as a policy within your church?
1: Yeah. Well, in our church, well, denomination, the congregation actually votes on a pastor and their terms of call. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very public process. And so when I went there at the congregational meeting after, you know, I'd met with Session, gone through the interview process, gone through the presbytery stuff, and they were introducing me to the congregation to vote on whether they wanted me as their pastor and on terms of call, I had asked, that sabbatical be included in my terms Mm -hmm. of call. And the committee was very wary of doing that, and they did not want to give anybody an opportunity to say no. And so they did not put that in my terms of call. But we didn't give up on the idea, and so I worked with our personnel committee and began to talk with them about sabbatical. We did some reading together together, and then the personnel committee fashioned a sabbatical policy for our church, and then the con- we were able to take the time to really teach the congregation about it so that they could know it and understand it. We didn't use the term sabbatical. Hmm. We used the term renewal leave because we have a lot of academics, and in their mind, you go away and produce something and bring it back. Hmm. And so we had even had, at that level. And so then it was introduced to the congregation, and they voted it and accepted it. and the other. Wonderful part of that is that our presbytery then got on board and developed mm-hmm. a sabbatical policy after our church created one. Mm.
0: Wow, that's very, very cool. You know that in this book, I I try to actually reclaim the language of sabbatical because I, I am a little frustrated <laughs> that that yeah. the academic community has taken a term that really does mean ceasing and resting, right. and yeah. has turned it into a time for a different kind of productivity. So anyway, we'll leave that for another day. But yeah. I'm glad it, it you was found just
1: in that moment. We that's needed. right. <laughs>
0: yes. But I'm glad you found language that enabled you to embed this in your policy for yourself, mm-hmm. but also for pastors who come along behind you. So, so then tell us a little bit about the time when your sabbatical opportunity came and how you began to work with that, with the people in your church. Was it seven years in? How long in was it?
1: Well, it was interesting. Our church created a policy every five years. Mm -hmm. The presbytery went every six. So that's Mm -hmm. always a discussion when that comes up. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, but yeah, in terms as, you know, I had learned that I needed to start really early in planning for it, Mm -hmm. and so I started working on about a year and a half before the actual sabbatical. Yeah, Mm -hmm. part of the reason for that was is that I wanted to apply for a grant that would help fund it, and so looking at their requirements, it required more time, Mm -hmm. and I was really grateful that we had that much time to work on it. We had, you know, good opportunity to create a team that was kind of like a sabbatical team that was helping in the planning. We were also able to really talk about this with the congregation at our congregational meeting and really having them, you know, approve and affirm the sabbatical rather than it's something that the personnel committee did to us or somebody else did to us. And it also gave an opportunity to cast a vision for not only what sabbatical was going to mean for me, but what I had hoped it was going to mean for the congregation because I really wanted the congregation to have a different summer, to have a great summer and to really feel blessed by my sabbatical because of what they got to experience in turn.
0: Well, I can't wait to talk about that part, because I know that you you just did so many wonderful things for your congregation. But let's talk first about the sabbatical that you put together for yourself, because it was very specific around some loves that you have. And then you were able to translate that over into some gifts that you were able to give to the congregation that were very consistent with what you yourself were experiencing. So let's start by talking about what you put together for yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of the things is I just went back and reviewed stuff this morning, and it was fascinating because I never made the connection of discovering with the Transforming Center one of my deepest desires, Mm -hmm. and that was to experience my body as God's gift. I mean, it's so evident, but I just didn't recognize it as that. And so... For me, in my own growth of experiencing my body as God's gift to me, I really wanted the summer to do that. And it had always been a dream to bike across the country. And so that's where it began. And so we began to work on it in that way. But I also wanted to do it in a particular way. I didn't want to just, you know, go with a group of people because that would not be nourishing to my soul as Um,
0: an introvert you knew you couldn't do that
1: as as an Mm -hmm. introvert but also i feel like i negotiate my entire life my entire work life too and if you're with a group you're always negotiating Mm -hmm. what time are we leaving what are we all those other Mm -hmm. things i didn't want that because that is draining so i knew that well enough but the introvert part of it was very important as well um And so we started working on that and put a really solid plan together in terms of, I started meeting, I had been without a spiritual director for a while, started meeting with the spiritual director again. And that required a real commitment, just given, you know, I needed to drive two hours away to find someone that I was really comfortable with and could meet me where I was. And so that was a part of the commitment as well of doing that. And then also I didn't get a full three-day retreat in there, but I did get a day really setting aside just time to be alone and quiet um, and really lift the time up to God. Um,
0: at the beginning of the actual sabbatical. At the mm-hmm. beginning of the yeah, actual you started sabbatical. with a retreat, a short retreat. Mm-hmm. A short retreat, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, it was interesting to me, you know, I had come to the trip, you know, talk with my spiritual directors with a number of questions that I had but they weren't necessarily the God, questions God chose to answer. Gosh, <laughs> I hate it when very that happens. Ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but that was good. I mean, yeah. it was that sense of being able to let go of, this is what I think is important in demanding that God Mm -hmm. answer those questions when God had a very different thing that God wanted to speak to me.
0: (laughs) It reminds me of that phrase in one of our prayers at the beginning of our retreats where we say, we ask not for what we want, but for what you know we need, Yep. which that prayer just turns it on its ear, right? Because what we think we need isn't always the thing that God knows we need. And there is a certain trusting that has to take place
1: for that. Yep, Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So I I think that the logistics of your sabbatical are really interesting. So talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, how you got, where you started, how you got there, how you, you know, the whole thing. I just love it.
1: Yeah. Well, what we actually wrote in our proposal, as we know, proposals don't always go as Mm -hmm. planned. At the beginning of the journey, Cammie had a work commitment that came up and so couldn't drive out with me. But what was wonderful is my training partner, who is closest to me, we got to drive out to Colorado or to California together. From Wisconsin. From La Crosse, Mm -hmm. Wisconsin. And the way we decided to do this is i In our lodging plan for this experience, we purchased a 19-foot camper trailer that we pulled behind our van, and that was just fabulous. So Chris and I drove out there to California, and it was great spending time with a good friend like that. You know, it's one of the things that I remember, Ruth, that you talked about the importance of connecting with those people that are important Mm -hmm. in our lives. And so that was really a great time. And so we got out there, and we started just north of San Francisco. We camped at Bodega Bay. And, you know, I had gotten everything set up. I was finally on sabbatical, and I got a call from my sister. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) This sister right here, yes, this that one. sister
1: right there, this, this yes, which changed sabbatical <laughs> a little bit, but um, it was one of those human things that you couldn't ignore, and it had to be a part of our sabbatical, and it was, but it wasn't, it, it didn't change the well, experience. Well, say
0: what probably. the it was. I mean, yeah. the it. yeah, you can say what the it was.
1: Yeah, that well, was when Dad was really experiencing a change in his health and needing mm-hmm. to make the decision to move into more of a living situation that would support his needs. And he was pretty resistant to that. So we
0: had to work on it together with him. Yeah,
1: I mean, I laughed the one day that we had that really important conversation with others that I just rode my tail off and got to where I could get cell service three minutes before that meeting was supposed to happen. Yeah,
0: and I had organized it on the other side, all these important people around a big table trying to, <laughs> oh yeah. So yes, human things sometimes come into it and we trust yeah. that God's in that too. Yep,
1: yep, yep. So
0: then you you rode your bike and Cammie, your wife, drove along.
1: Yeah, so mm. uh, the typical thing that would happen is I would leave when I wanted to leave in the morning. I like getting out early. The night before I would leave the trailer hooked up and she would just get up I was able to set it up so that Cammy could work remotely. And so we had Wi-Fi in our vehicle, and so she was able to do her work. uh, And then we'd see each other at night, or sometimes she'd pass me on the way, we'd stop. But I really did have that biking space as my real solitude. And the other thing for Cammy and I, as we were working on it, because we're apart during that season, we're apart about six to eight weeks a year. And then she works every third weekend as a nurse, 12 hour shifts. And so that sense of being separated just didn't give me life at all because I experienced enough separation given some of our commitments in that season of life. And so I was glad that was we were able to kind of do this where I still did get that solitude that I needed. Mm-hmm. So
0: that you're yeah. able to be together. Well, that sounds wonderful for you. And I know that it was. <laughs> And I love the creativity and and also the just knowing what you needed in in the big Mm -hmm. ways, but also the small ways, you know, that you, you know, the big idea was that you were going to bike across the country, but the more nuanced idea was that you weren't going to do it with another, with a group of people so that you could have the freedom to do it the way that you wanted to on your own terms. What I wanted to talk with you about a little bit more in depth, because I thought you did such a fabulous job with this, was how you made it a blessing for your congregation and how you developed things for them that kept them connected with your journey and also blessed them while you are away. Can you talk a little bit more about that part of your planning?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just so excited about what we were able to do for the congregation. It was helpful that we had a really good staff team that were very on board with making this experience great for the congregation. We had also assigned, we did not have another pastor come in. And so we had a person that was responsible for administrative tasks that I do, another person that was responsible for personnel. And then we had three different pastors that rotated and preached. Mm-hmm. But what I was excited about is we connected what my experience was going to be with the congregation's experience. And I we talked about this as being a summer of experiencing our bodies as God's gift to us. And so we did a number of things around that for the congregation so that they could be able to engage. One thing that we did is that we wrote a devotional for the summer that we left behind for the congregation. And it was all about experiencing our bodies as God's gifts, using passages from that. And I just kind of opened it up and it was just interesting, you know, looking back at what we offered. And just for even to think about, you know, people even thinking about that God intimately knows your body and knows what you need Mm -hmm. and wants to meet you there. And so there are just different ways. And so that was a piece that we left behind. And I committed to go through that with the congregation, you know, as the congregation was going through that as well.
0: Did you write Um, it? Did you write it? and I wrote it together. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. But then the other thing is, is that we wanted to get help people experience their bodies as God's gift, not just have a devotional about it. And so we organized that in a very structured way for our congregation. We had planned different groups, like there was the Sunday morning running club that ran before worship. And we told people, you know, if you're doing your thing before church, come sweaty, come in your shorts, whatever, just be there for that. We had also in our proposal put aside money so that if somebody wanted to try something new for the first time, that we would help them pay the entry fee to that. And one of the first people to talk to me when I got back was a young man that never really run in his life that did his first half Ironman or half half marathon. And then when we kicked off going, we did a picnic and we had our you know camper and my bikes there and all that stuff. But then I worked with the local bike shop to give everybody a bike tune-up who brought their bikes. We worked with another organization who they do adaptive equipment. So they had adaptive bicycles and stuff. And so many of our older members who are never gonna ride a bike, they got to ride an adaptive bicycle and some of them have continued doing that. And then for the younger kids we had, (laughs) this was so funny, it was a bike. And as you pedaled, the faster it pushed the blender so you could make your own smoothie on a bike, (laughs) (laughs) you know. And so that was the way that we kicked off and then had different things that people could sign up for. And then we worked each month to do a different event that helped encourage. So we also sent out, and I think we had a couple cooking classes on cooking healthy. And we had, this was my favorite event. They didn't take pictures. I was so bummed. But there is in our community a 92 year old hula hooper, mm. professional hula hooper. It's mm. how you get a professional. But they did a whole hula hooping thing on the church lawn. He brought weighted hula hoops and everything. So those are the kinds of gifts that we were able to leave the congregation to not only do a devotional about their bodies, but also to experience their bodies in different ways. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that sounds like so much fun. I'm sure now everybody listening wants to go to your church because <laughs> you have the best ideas. <laughs> so, oh, man.
1: And then when we came back, we had a dinner where we, everybody shared their experiences, not just hear about mm-hmm. my experiences, mm-hmm. which I think was important to really hear what happened for people during that summer who embraced, you know, what we were trying to yeah. offer.
0: Well, I really love hearing about this because we know that sabbatical is a gift that a loving congregation gives, gives their pastor, but for it to also be seen as a gift that, that, that the pastor gives to their congregation as their way. I think is the kind of reciprocity and mutuality that we would want to see in a congregation is that it's always the love is going back and forth. The love and the care is always going back and forth. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your experience with our listeners. I mean, I got to walk with you through this in my own way a long time ago, but it's been fun to walk back through it together and particularly to revisit the gift that it was to your congregation, because I would really like to see that be part and parcel of sabbatical planning, is that there's always something in it for the congregation while they're giving such a gift of love to their pastor. So thanks for giving us such a good illustration of how that might be done.
2: Hey there, producer Colleen here. Before we hear some closing thoughts from Ruth, I wanted to share about our upcoming Transforming Community. You probably heard in this episode how meaningful Jonathan's Transforming Community experience was to him. I wanted to let you know that the opportunity for you to join a Transforming Community in 2023 is also available to you. We are currently accepting applications for TC19, which begins in June right here in the Chicagoland area. I am a Transforming Community alum and am also currently in the middle of another community, Transforming Community 18, and I can tell you that nothing has impacted my spiritual life and leadership more than these community experiences. If you are looking for a place and a space to tend to your soul in God's presence this year, TC19 might be for you. You can find more info on our website at transformingcenter.org under the Retreats tab. We will, of course, link to it in our show notes. And now, back to Ruth.
0: Well, wasn't that a great conversation? Don't you just wish that you were in that congregation where a pastor took that kind of care for you when he went on his sabbatical. I think all of us would love to be in a congregation like that. So I just love concluding this season on sabbatical with the idea that what is good for the pastor can also be good for the congregation. What is good for the leader can also be good for the ministry. We need to keep in mind that there's no scarcity in the kingdom of God, you know, that God doesn't give gifts to one person that withholds really good things from another person, that God's looking to pour out goodness on all of us when we live in these rhythms. So, as we bring this sabbatical season to a close, I want to give you a few reminders and just a few ideas that help us to think about how to live this out in practical ways in our contexts. first of all let's always remember that sabbatical is an extension of sabbath and that everything that is true for the sabbath is also true for sabbatical but just extended so remember that these two practices are really tightly connected sabbath and sabbatical and back again that's the whole idea of the book and then let's also remember that sabbatical is also god-ordained it's really clear that sabbath is god-ordained and it's one of the ten commandments but sabbatical is also god-ordained god gives us this it's part of the teachings in the old testament and it also emerges from our understanding of agriculture and how land needs to lie fallow for a season in order to be able to produce and be fruitful again so knowing that this is god-ordained and knowing that this pattern of having the ground lie fallow for a while before producing again, that should encourage us not to feel bad about asking for a sabbatical. If your church or your ministry organization doesn't have this in their policies yet, don't feel guilty about asking. This is something that God has for you. And so bring it up if it's time to bring it up, if that kind of a policy does not exist. Now, of course, we've talked about the fact that it would be ideal if someone else could ask on your behalf. And so that takes me to the idea that... It would be really, really good for elder groups and boards and vestries and sessions to think about a sabbatical policy and to actually proactively write it in before it becomes being about one person. One person dragging themselves into your presence and saying that they're exhausted and need a sabbatical. Don't wait for that. Just get out ahead of this one and put a sabbatical policy in into your whole sabbath life together in community do it now and be clear it won't take a lot of time take an elders meeting take one meeting and go over the reasons and then give people a chance to rest on it and then come back and see if you can't make a motion and pass it to establish a sabbatical policy for your pastors and senior leaders now, if you're a lay person, you might be wondering, well, what's what's there for me? Like, I'm really active in ministry. I'm really working hard. I'm showing up every Sunday doing what is mine to do. And so I would like to suggest that we also think about sabbatical as it has to do with our high-level volunteers or lay leaders. That's another way of talking about it. Like, Could you have as a part of your rhythm and policy that the elders on your board or whatever would take a sabbatical at different intervals and that that's also written into your policies and procedures and expectations for people who serve in leadership as deacons or elders or ministry directors or Uh, youth leaders people who just give out week in and week out they too need a break and so instead of saying that they're going to take a break could you introduce the sabbatical language here as well and say you know Um, The volunteer youth leader, like my husband and I did volunteer youth work for five years. We never got a sabbatical in that role, which is fine. But um, there's a lot of high-level volunteers in the youth ministry and other ministries. Could you introduce the idea of sabbatical and build it into their role descriptions and expectations as well, where rather than saying they're taking a break from being an elder, say they're taking a sabbatical from being an elder? In other words, they are going to let the ground of their being and the ground of their leadership lie fallow for a while so they can bring good and refreshed energy back into whatever else they do next within your congregation. So I'd like to see if this language couldn't be introduced for lay leaders as well who are functioning at a very high level in their churches and organizations. And then one other category of persons would be if you're not a pastor at all, you know, and and yet you are really hearing God's call. You're not in a position of ministry leadership, but maybe you're in some other version of leadership, or maybe you're in a ministry leadership role, but you're in an organization that doesn't offer a sabbatical and they're not open to it and they're not willing to put that um, into their policies yet. Well. I think that the conversation with Andy Crouch was a really important conversation because what he inspired in us and what he modeled for us is taking responsibility for your own rhythms, taking responsibility for your own health and well-being, and that maybe you might have to take responsibility for your own sabbatical. And so it was a challenging word when he said that he was willing to quit his job and see if there was a job for him when he came back, but he just knew he needed this rhythm. I also loved hearing him talk about the fact that he would save for it, that the sabbaticals that he's had up to this point were not paid for by anybody else, but he actually saved for it. He took a radical kind of responsibility for himself and made sure that he got what his soul needed and what he felt was God's gift to him. So let's not leave this up to anybody else. Let's take responsibility for ourselves if that's what we need, because this also, the gift of sabbatical, is something that God has for us and wants for us. And so I would really encourage us at the end of this season to think about the next year to 18 months. You know, you have to get out in front of sabbatical. You can't just leave for the next two weeks. You have to plan for it. There's all sorts of plans that need to be put in place. So could you look out on the next year or the next 18 months? Can you begin to envision a sabbatical for yourself? Can you begin to plan for that and envision what it might be like remembering that these longer sabbatical periods do something for us that the weekly Sabbath just doesn't do. There is a function of time with sabbatical, and that is just the truth. Our rest deepens, our bodies settle down, our minds settle down, we start to get quiet on the inside, we start to actually truly delight in God's good gifts to us day after day after day and we get quieter and quieter on the inside we get less driven and God begins to speak to us in really powerful ways and we begin to be replenished in the deepest possible way and if there's just a function of time so remember that there are times when the Sabbath really is not enough and that is when you need a sabbatical. So we've concluded each one of our episodes in in these two seasons with what your soul wants to say to God. But in this one, I would like to close with a portion of a sabbatical blessing service that I include at the end of the book. And there's more to it than what I'm going to read to you here. But a piece of it is a meditation on Psalm 4610 from Henry Nouwen. And I thought that it might bless us all if we could hear these words from Henry Nowen, let it stir desire in our own hearts and let our desire deepen into intentionality and be very proactive about what we know God is offering to our souls. So this is a meditation from Henry Nowen on the simple verse from Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. So he's really riffing on this phrase, and, and it's really, really beautiful. So please, if you can, stop driving your car or whatever. If you can, just settle and sink and close your eyes and open your hands and just let these words wash over you uh, and see what God has to say to you in them. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and be quiet be silent be tranquil be present be now be here the first task of the disciple is to be with the Lord to sit at his feet to listen and to be attentive to all he says does and asks our Lord is all we need and want our stronghold our refuge our shepherd, our wisdom. God cares for us. God feeds us. God gives us life. Be still and know that I am God. To be still is hard. It means to let God speak to us, breathe in us, act in us, pray in us. Let God enter into the most hidden parts of our being. Let God touch us even where it may hurt us and cause us pain. To be still is to trust, to surrender, to let go, to have faith. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. God is and God acts not once in a while, not on special occasions, but all the time. Be still and listen to the one who speaks to you always. Feel the actions of the one who acts always and taste the presence of the one who is present always. Be still and know that I am God. That is not meant to be a fearful knowledge but a peaceful knowledge God is not a God of the dead but a God of the living God is not a revengeful God but a God of love know that I am God your God the God who is only love the God who touches you with his limitless and unconditional love be still and know that I am God God is not in the storm, nor in the earthquake, nor in the fire, but in the still small voice, the gentle breeze, and the sheer silence. Be still and know that I am God. Take these words with you. Let them be like a little seed planted in the good soil of your heart and let them grow. Be still and know that I am God.